0: All right, I believe this is my first ever emergency podcast, which comes a little bit after midnight, 12.06 a.m. on Memorial Day Monday, so it's May 28th. And about an hour ago, the Celtics just lost the game seven at home to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 87-79. Celtics, who came into this game winning all 10 postseason games at home, finally lose in just brutal, crushing fashion to, let's face it, One of the guys that should be on NBA's Mount Rushmore. That's all there is to it. And I'm going to get to LeBron a little bit later. I'm not even going to talk about legacies and things of that nature because I think it's silly. Because his legacy has already been cemented. And for what he did tonight to carry this bunch into an NBA final. You know, we've seen this before. And the crazy thing is we've seen this 11 years ago when he dragged that ragamuffin bunch in 2007 which ended up in a sweep at the hands of the San Antonio Spurs, but I'll get to more about LeBron later on. If it sounds like I'm talking in a tunnel, it's because of the ambiance in my apartment, so if you hear a lot of air in the background, it almost sounds like I'm recording this on a runway on an airport, but with that being said, as I've had an hour to digest this game, give it a lot of thought, and I understand that the wounds are going to last for quite some time. I mean, this is the third time in the last four years that the Celtics have lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. And this one in the most excruciating fashion because after last year being embarrassed by them and then back in 2015 also being embarrassed, swept. But that team is much too younger and obviously a shell of what this team is today considering that the draft choices and the players that they have on their team now, it's a much different team than it was back in 2015. But, you know, when you look at this game, and I knew going into this game it wasn't going to be a blowout I figured it was going to be a close game but I thought the Celtics would have the game in hand and when you look at the second quarter when they were up 35-23 12 point lead can't go crazy for them squandering a lead it's only in the second quarter of the game and despite the fact that they were pretty much tooth and nail you know Cavs certainly you know were just heroic more LeBron I mean let's face it you know LeBron was just anything short of brilliant in this game, but when you get into the fourth quarter and you looked at how this game was unfolding, I knew that if this was going to be in the vicinity of just five points, either way, even if the Celtics were up by five points, I still would have been worried because it's a matter of them executing plays, making shots, things of that nature that it's going to propel you into getting to the NBA Finals or even just to win the game, period, let alone get to the Finals. But to me the biggest shot of the game at 72-71 Jeff Green hitting that three this was after Jason Tatum dunked on LeBron and then as they get the ball back he drains that three from the perimeter and you're thinking to yourself at 72-71 oh geez you know this could be the turnaround point of the game this could be what propels the Celtics into an NBA final and all the talk would have been about Jason Tatum and what he's done in this game seven and what he's done throughout this postseason in his rookie year playing in his 99th game this season where he only played probably about a quarter of that last year when he was a freshman at Duke. But for the Cavaliers on that next possession at 72-71 for Jeff Green, and when I saw that him wide open in that corner, I'm thinking to myself, he's going to make this shot because he was having a good game to begin with. And funny enough how I teased on Twitter I said, George Hill's not going to have that 20-point game. This is after Friday night's Game 6. I said, George Hill's not going to have nowhere near close to that 20-point game. Well, he was just dressed, I should say, as Jeff Green here in Game 7 as he had 19 points. And he was a former Celtic, as people know. And, of course, for, former Georgetown Hoya, who, of course, I'm a Hoya fan. So, I have a little place in the heart for the guy. And considering everything, speaking of heart, with everything he had to go through with the open heart surgery years ago when he was with the Celtics. And here he is. Still playing in the NBA is miraculous to begin with. And kudos to him. You know, he played phenomenal. Will we see this in the finals? (laughs) I sincerely doubt it. And that's not a knock on the guy. But at the same time, he is Jeff Green. And he rose to the occasion on the biggest stage in the biggest game. Got to give him credit. But him hitting at three at 74-72, to me, that was the biggest shot. And they never looked back after that. And then from there on out, the Celtics were playing hero ball. Everything was three-pointers. Of course, they had the... Cavaliers in the penalty So all they had to do was just continue to drive to the basket But of course, you know, they want to chuck the Big three, they want to get the You know, their team back in the game, they want to make sure that You know, they get the big shot They get the clutch shot, the hero bowl shot Remember, years ago When Doc Rivers When he was coach of the Celtics, he says, you can't play hero bowl And that's what they did Terry Rozier Terry Rozier, can't even speak right now Terry Rozier had an awful game Let's face it 0 for 10 from 3, and there was a lot of talk, and I'll never forget, I talked about this with my cousin, JD, who's a huge Celtic fan, and we texted after the game, and he was despondent as well, but Rozier, for all of his phenomenal play in this postseason, and pretty much ever since Kyrie went down, there was actually just a thought, and just to think that as a Celtic fan, even as a basketball fan, that you would even entertain this thought, says a lot about how he played in this postseason. Where J.D. posed the question that if this team goes to a finals, and even if they win or lose, but let's just say Rozier had a just typical postseason run that he's had, whatever it was, 18 points, didn't turn the ball over that much, had some rebounds, eight assists, whatever the averages were. Would the thought creep in your head to trade Kyrie Irving? considering he's coming off another knee surgery, he has one more year left on his contract, God only knows what you could get back, considering that he has the knee injury, but he's 26 years old. Would you even think about trading him? And you know what? When he posed that question to me, I thought about it and I said, you know what? That's something you got to think about. Not anymore. And I understand you can't just base it on one game. I understand that, hey, listen, anybody's entitled to have a bad game. I get that. But it just goes to show you right then and there that the spotlight was just a little bit too bright on him. And granted that he had a great, Game six, had six threes, played well, obviously came up short. But the thing is, is that in these type of games, this is where you need to have that one, not even just one player, because Jason Tatum did that, you need to have more than one player rise to the occasion. And nobody else on the Celtics stepped up. Well, Al Horford did. He had a very, very good game. So when you needed that third option, when you needed to have that guy to get those clutch shots, a la Jeff Green on the other side. Celtics didn't have that. And to me, that was based on youth and experience. I understand maybe even Brad Stevens could have held the reins back a little bit and said, hey, they're in the penalty. Drive to the basket. We don't need hero ball. And I think he's going to learn from this too, despite the fact that he's had a, an unbelievable postseason coach in his team. Nobody thought that they would even get this far. But you know what? To me, that's not a consolation. When you get to this point, when you're literally 12 minutes away from going to an NBA Finals, it's bitter. It downright sucks. And you know what? How I look at it as a fan, a lifelong fan in all my sports, but especially with the Celtics, I'm not going to look at the silver lining or the moral victories or anything like that. I'm going to look at we were 12 minutes away or even six minutes away. Because after Tatum hit that three, I think it was about 6.08 to go, whatever it was. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, they can pull this out. And I'm sorry, when you're that close and know that there are no guarantees in sports, it's things. it hurts. No, oh, well, hey, you know, what a phenomenal run. And, you know, Coach Stevens, nobody thought we were going to be there. Nobody thought we were going to beat Philadelphia. Yeah, but you know what? You beat Philadelphia. And you know what? You were up 3-2. You couldn't win a road game to save your life. Any one of those road games. And then here in the game seven at home, the youth and inexperience certainly kicked in. The clock struck 12 and... Cleveland's going to the NBA Finals. And all kudos to Cleveland, and I'm going to get to them in a second. But also, another person that gets a lot of blame in this is Jalen Brown. Marcus smart too, but obviously he's all over the court. And for anybody who watches the Celtics, you know that Marcus smart, although he's a very key figure on this team. And he does have those outbursts of offensive display, but those come few and far between. So despite the fact that you could look at Marcus Smart as a guy that can make shots, that can get some big baskets, that could get under players' skin, you know, like that one play underneath the basket where he stole the ball from LeBron and got the layup, yes, he does make those type of plays, but he's not a guy that you're going to bank on to score double digits or he's going to get that offensive outburst that you're going to expect from. You know, you expect that from Jalen Brown. You expect that from Terry Rozier, especially with what they both done here in this postseason. So when you look at those guys and them falling short, not only is it disappointing it's not only is it a disappointment, but at the same time it's a complete failure. It's a no show. And those guys didn't show up. And you could say, well, Jay Reels, you know, come on, they're young, Jalen Brown's in the second year, Terrell was here, you know, third year. Uh, you know, listen, I get that. Or second year, excuse me. I get that. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to ride these horses all the way and they're going to fall flat on their face in a game 7 you know, the lights as bright as they could possibly be then guess what, they got to get the blame for this you know, no pom-poms over here, buddy no, no, I'm not going to say, well, hey, it's a great season no, yes, was it a great season? was it an unexpected ride? oh, of course, it was great, it was unbelievable it was uh, far from what I've ever even imagined but when you get that close and you could pretty much taste it. And you could think to yourself in the back of your head that, you know what, we could be in an NBA Finals come Thursday night, whether in Houston or Golden State. You got to take that suck and run with it. You just can't look at it and second guess and like, oh, well, you know, we weren't supposed to be here anyway, so you know what, we'll get them next year. Sorry, that's not my thinking. And if you're a Celtic fan or a sports fan that thinks like that, then you need to get your head re-examined. That's all there is to it. You know, because that whole, oh, we'll be, you know, we'll be back next year. You know, hey, now we're gonna have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the mix. You know, imagine what, who, you know, who we're gonna sign this off season. And right now, it's not the time to get into Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier to resign them right now. Uh. Uh-uh. But to think that there's a guarantee that this team is gonna come back just as good, if not better, yes, it could possibly happen. But we all know injuries could happen throughout the course of the season. Anything could happen. We all know Philadelphia's gonna get stronger next year. If LeBron, chances are he's probably going to stay, even if they get swept in the next round, which I hope he doesn't, but chances are he's going to stay. Why would he go to L.A.? Why would he start over with that team? So you would think that he would stay in Cleveland. Hopefully they could get more pieces. And as a Celtic fan, I want to face LeBron again. And granted that, like I said a few minutes ago, the Celtics have just gotten their teeth kicked in by him You know, three to the last four years, but guess what? The old cliche, and I hate cliches, but it's the truth. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And we were that close from beating him. But guess what? He was just that much better. And the segue to him, you know, I'm tired of people hating on this guy. And again, I'm not trying to be an apologist for LeBron. I'm not trying to sit here and say that, you you know, all bow down to the king, et cetera, et cetera. But let's face it. As I said before, this guy belongs on the Mount Rushmore at the NBA you're going to put Jordan there you got to put LeBron there now the other two is going to be tough because you have three centers and two of them deserve that spot whether it's Will Chamberlain Bill Russell or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar after that you know I don't want to hear Kobe Bryant give me a break you know you want to put Tim Duncan up there you can but you know you're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar you're talking about Will Chamberlain 50 points a game 1962 and look at Will Chamberlain he doesn't have all the rings he's had two world championships in his career but anybody's gonna knock Will Chamberlain and what he's done throughout his career you know same for Oscar Robertson he only won one title but at the same time are you gonna kill him for a guy who averaged a triple-double pretty much you know his whole career and obviously he had the one triple-double that everybody was looking to see if they could either break or tie or anything like that until Russell uh, Westbrook came to the mix so, but going back to LeBron, I'm just tired of people trying to compare him to Michael Jordan. They're two different players from two different eras. So that's number one. You got to stop that. Okay. And not only that, when you start to look at the resume and you look at the achievements and you look at everything and what this guy's done. I mean, there's no way on God's green earth. Can you knock this man? And I understand everybody's going to look at Jordan, you know, he was 6 for 6 in NBA titles. But these are the same people that are, you know, hating on LeBron, that love Jordan, that hated Jordan when he played. And trust me, I live in New York with a bunch of Knicks fans and everybody hated Jordan. Everybody. Yeah, they may have respected him, but they're like, ah, Jordan, I'm sick of him. The the tongue, he's always beating on the Knicks, so on and so forth. Please, now all of a sudden, they're jumping on MJ's bandwagon just despite LeBron James. Why? Because he spurned the Knicks in 2010? Because he had the decision, which is really the only blip on his career. And it was a bad one. The whole decision thing, take my town to South Beach, and then obviously the little stupid ceremony after that with him, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch with about, I don't know, 5 San seven, 6 6-7? Six, seven. Yeah, that was, I'm sure if he could do that all over again, LeBron would certainly want that back. I get that. But if you're still going to hate on him for that, then don't watch sports. Don't watch basketball, please. Don't, because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're watching. And yes, if you're going to say that, oh, well, now all of a sudden you're going to be riding on LeBron James, again, can we go through the list of achievements that this guy's done? Eight straight finals, which Jordan never done. And before you come out and say, oh, well, you know, Jordan would have made eight straight finals if he didn't retire back in 93. Well, we don't know that. And understand people are going to say, oh, yeah, well, come on. You know they would have gone and played Houston. B. Well, we don't know that. You can't rewrite history. You can't go back in time. You know, he took his two years off because he wanted to play baseball or he wanted to mourn, uh, you know, to play baseball because of what happened with his, you know, the passing of his father, whatever it was, he did that. And then he came back, if you recall, he came back in 95 and they lost to Orlando in in six games. So for those who want to say, oh, well, even though he didn't play in the 93-94 season, he did play in that 94-95. And I don't want to hear that, oh, well, then we played whatever it was, 20 games and, you know, Orlando was better. Well, then you know what? He should have came back the following year. And started that year so that's number one eight straight finals and half of those teams I don't want to say half the, the 2007 team as I mentioned earlier the 2015 team remember Kyrie hurt his knee in that first game no Kevin Love and they actually had a 2-1 series lead against the Warriors okay they lost in six the rest is history another finals loss for LeBron do I even have to mention 2016 down three games to one against a 73-9 team, which would have been the greatest team of all time if they would have won that final. But, of course, you know, the people are going to come out and say, oh, well, if Draymond Green wasn't suspended in Game 5, then, well, you know what? He he was, and still, they didn't win a Game 6 when Draymond Green was there, and they didn't win a Game 7 because Draymond Green wasn't there either. That's not the case. And if you watch those games again, and I'm sure they're probably going to be replayed if it's going to be Warriors and Cavaliers again, Round 4, they're gonna show that game seven, and in that game seven, the Warriors were so sloppy down the stretch. Steph Curry with behind the back passes with four minutes to go, you know, throwing him out of bounds, you know, one on one against Kevin Love, you know, taking terrible shots. I mean, please, the Warriors. I'm not gonna say they beat themselves, but they certainly didn't help themselves by winning a title, imploding down the stretch of that game seven in 2016, and that's all you need to know about LeBron. Knowing that he came down, first team in NBA history to be down 3-1 to win an NBA Finals against that team, that's all you need to know. To me, the legacy is already set. And this is why I'm not going to get into legacy about LeBron. And it's going to be sad if he loses this Final because everybody's going to laugh at LeBron. Oh my God, he lost again. Now he's going to be 3-6 in Finals. You know what? Well, how many Finals did Jerry West lose? And there's a lot of people that have watched Jerry West play. They'll think that he should be up on nba's mount rushmore and again because a lot of people prisoner of the moment you know they got to stick to that jordan reference or they got to stick to you know basketball that was played since 1990 but of course nobody mentions kareem a guy who won six nba titles himself who won six regular season MVPs himself you know i could just go down a whole list of other players that belong in that mount rushmore of nba players but because of now, with everything being Jordan number one, and then LeBron slowly but surely creeping up there, and he deserves to be up there. I'm sorry. He has over 30,000 points, 8,000 rebounds, and 8,000 assists in the regular season. Nobody in NBA history has ever done that. That's pure dominance. Obviously, he owns pretty much all the postseason records that anybody could ever handle. He just surpassed you know, most field goals by a player in NBA postseason history. I believe it was, what, two or three games ago. And the man does this on both sides of the, you know, both ends of the floor. 48 minutes. And look at who he has on his team right now. Jeff Green, who did nothing in the series. Chipped in with 19. George Hill, who's done nothing in the series. Chipped in in game six of 20 points. You know, J.R. Smith even made a contribution tonight, which, you know. And that's J.R. When you think he's only going to, you know, score two points and... Have more fouls than points, assists, and rebounds in a game, but you know there he is making two or three threes in crucial moments of the game. But the hate for LeBron, it, to me, it's just people that want to find a reason to hate on him, but really have no business hating on him. And for those who even want to mention Jordan, you know what are you like? The you got to be either the old cranky Nick fan that was spurned by LeBron. And Jordan kicked your team's teeth in year after year after year, so therefore you're gonna say, "Oh, Jordan's the best." And listen, this—that's an argument, but it's a useless and senseless argument only because they both played in two different eras. So if you can't admire and respect and look at what this man has done—15 years in the league—he's just as dominant now as he was when the days against Miami, when he was in Miami. I mean, think about that. He is just as dominant of a player now than he was four or five years ago at his peak powers. And we'll never see the likes of a player like this ever again. That's the other thing. If you listen to my last podcast and talking about greatness and wanting to see a certain event or a certain player or a certain team do certain things, special things that you know that you're never going to see again, you know I mentioned that now this is more from a team perspective but tomorrow night or later tonight I should say the Stanley Cup Finals are going to start between the Capitals and the Vegas Golden Knights now the Vegas in its first year of existence as much as I'm rooting for the Capitals I'd actually want to see Vegas win because we're never going to see anything like that ever again we're never going to see an expansion team in its first year win a Stanley Cup just like we almost came close to seeing the Patriots go 19-0, which we would never, ever, ever see in our lifetime. And then now, just from a player's perspective, and again, I understand people are going to bring up Jordan, and oh, here we go with the whole, you know, hey, the shot against Utah and the six world you know, titles. I, I get all that. And listen, I watched Jordan, and Jordan was an assassin. He was no joke. He was cutthroat. He was a guy that we know all the stories about him. We don't have to get into that. And we all know LeBron's not that type of player. But guess what? Over the years, he's built up that DNA. And it actually started in that building in 2012. Game 6 Eastern Conference Finals when he was a member of the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics when he went for 45-15-5. and five. To me, that was the night where the DNA changed. Is it Jordan DNA? No, certainly not. No one was quite like Jordan, let's face it. Kobe was the closest thing. But look at tonight tonight LeBron was what 35-15-9 and nine, played all 48 minutes didn't bitch and moan carried his team on his shoulders entered the NBA Finals 13 years in the league 8 straight Finals what more can you say? it's greatness and when you see greatness you just gotta give it up to the guy It's all there is to it and I'll say this In closing, two things. One, when I say stop the hate, here in New York, you know, a lot of people, especially the Met fan, but a lot of people will look at a guy like Derek Jeter and say, oh, well, he wasn't the best player on his team or, oh, he wasn't the best player at his position in the sport. But guess what? The guy made great plays in big moments and big times and you got to respect that. And he was the leader of that team. And there was a lot of people that throughout the years, especially early on, when he was winning those second, third, and fourth championships in the late 90s, a lot of people thought, oh, A-Rod's a better player. Oh, Nomar is a better shortstop. And statistically, that may be correct. But the guy knew how to win. And the guy in those big moments never, ever shrunk in the spotlight. And listen, I understand LeBron when you look at 2011 against Dallas when he scored whatever it was, six points in that game five. All right, I get it. You know, he had that moment. But at the same time, and right, Jordan never had that moment in the finals. I'm sure he had a game or two in the finals where he wasn't great, but at the same time, still. People going to look at that. Well, Jordan never shrunk in a big moment, especially in the postseason or especially in the NBA finals. Okay, fine. But guess what? You can't deny what this man has done Throughout the scope of his career. And in the postseason. And especially over the course of the last. Eight years. Because let me tell you something. If he played for your team. You'd be praising them to the high heavens. And this is one of the reasons why. You have to look at a guy like this and say. Well, we're never going to see this again. Never. So you want to hate on those type of guys. You want to hate on the Judas of the world. You want to hate on. Certain players that you look at. And you just say. Uh, you know, yeah, but he had other great players. Oh, he had other this. or oh, whatever it is. When you look at the guy like a LeBron James and you see what he's done and he's brought weaker teams. You know, Jordan had Scottie Pippen. Dennis Rodman. Okay, you could say for one year or two years, whatever it was, he had Kyrie Irving. He had Kevin Love. And you could go back to the days of Miami. All right, he had Dwayne Wade. Chris Bosch. but on that 07 team who did he have on the 15 team when they made it the series and they were up 2-1 who was on that team Matthew Delvedova and now this year where he's going to bring more ragamuffins into this final and sadly it's going to be against the one seed in the Houston Rockets or the two seed and another rematch possibly with the Golden State Warriors and I'm going to close it with this I know a lot of people are going to look at LeBron and the legacy and if he loses in this postseason it's just going to be another check on the list for the hater it's going to be oh you know I told you he wasn't going to do it now he's 3-6 and six. you know LeBron's a fraud LeBron's this LeBron's that all I got to say is that if you played on your team and if you had him full this time you would ride that sucker to the end, and I'm sure there'd be no other player that you'd want to have on your team than number 23. That's all there is to it. He's beaten my team three the last four years in the postseason, and never once have I looked at him and be like, "Oh geez, you know, I'm just sick of this man." Oh geez, you know, it's luck, or oh geez, you know, this. He's done it on sheer will, sheer physicality, sheer talent, and. There, to me, there's only two players in the history of this sport that have been physically imposing at their positions, and that's Wilt, and it's gifted, physically, is Wilt and LeBron James. Now, before people go, oh, what about Shaq? What about well, before Shaq, there was Wilt Chamberlain, and like I said on other podcasts, not only did this man averaged 50 points a game in a season, but he had 55 rebounds in a game against Bill Russell. The Shaq even have anything close to that and I don't want to hear whoa there was no such you know the league was different back then you know he didn't have centers Or they well Shaq would have been he is an all-time great but Shaq would have been immortal if he played more defense and he put more care into his body than he did but he didn't and that's not a knock on Shaq is the truth and I love Shaquille O'Neal I got none against him but my point is that you're not going to see this mix of talent the physical specimen the conditioning, the talent, the way you can pass, everything. And if you're going to continue to knock this guy or continue to just wait for the next loss or the next finals loss, or whatever, then you know what? Find something else to do, man. Find someone else to follow, you know, pick on somebody in the musical industry, pick on somebody, you know, an actor or whatever that doesn't deserve it because this guy lays it all on the line. He lays it all on the court. And if you can't see that for what it is, find something else, my man. Sports isn't your thing. All right? From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace love, and God bless. Until next time, hope to have a podcast up this week, but this is an emergency podcast here, the J Reels Podcast. Peace love, and God bless. Until next time, on the flip, baby.